1: Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Welcome back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. It's a continuation of the Saturday Buckeye Talk. Doug Lay Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Buckeyes that need to raise their game for Ohio State in 2021. Again, great text or suggestion from the 419 that brought us here. We did the offensive side of the ball on Saturday. Here on Tuesday, we are doing the defensive side of the ball. And this is a little more all over the place. We kind of had a sort of a general agreement around like seven guys kind of on the, maybe eight on the offensive side of the ball. I think just within our top fives and also what the texters gave as our top fives, I think there's a chance that we get up like 10 or 12 different guys in our own top fives for something like this. So Nathan, we'll let you start. Again, if you guys want to like, participate in this kind of thing, we'd love to have you try the text. Football, spring football, right around the corner. Good time to try it at 614-350-3315. Who's your number five, Nathan, for the defensive players for Ohio State that they need to raise their game in 2021?
1: Yeah, I, I really think we could have done a top 10. Uh, I had at least that many guys I was considering. I put Taraja Mitchell at number five. He's a guy that obviously we've talked many times about how this 2018 recruiting class group of linebackers has never really had an opportunity on the field. It's not fair to say they haven't had an opportunity to get on the field. I suppose they could have beaten somebody off for a job and gotten out there and they didn't. But this is going to be their first chance to really get turned loose. We think, though, that there is some special guys, and he's one of them that, that could come out of that group. And it's just we think he, he projects to be at that will spot. That will spot has – been just so critical for this team the last few years from Malik Harrison to Pete Werner. And that's the tradition now that Ohio state is asking him to follow in that just like reliable kind of linchpin guy on that inside linebacker. And I think that's a big spot on this team, especially because that whole group is turning over. I didn't have him in my top five,
2: but I think I should have because he almost has to start and we don't know how good he is <laughs> and he's a top 50 national recruit so like if he's not
1: good i don't know what they do nathan but but also right? like, how many how many linebackers could we consider for our top 5 yeah like at least 3 and depending on who you think they're going to play at that sam spot it could be like 6 <laughs>
2: Do I, is it, have I possibly made a mistake that I don't have any linebackers in my top five? No, because you can though, do that at every single spot. Yeah.
1: The other side of the argument is also like they're, they're all equally. We don't know.
2: It's almost
0: with the defense. It's less about what, but it's just, we should have just ranked the groups, the position groups. So yeah. which group needs to step up the most, because I had Taraja Mitchell as well. He was my number five, just because with it, because of what I just said, it becomes more of a, which of the guys in that position group plays the most valuable spot? And I think, Will, that guy has been Ohio State's leading tackler the last three or four years here, and he needs to step into that role and continue that and just be the constant. Even if he's not dominant, he just needs to be something that that's the one linebacker spot Ohio State doesn't need to be worried about from week
2: to week. I should have had him in my top five. I'm going to give you my top five, and, and I feel like my, top, my number five is not as good as this number five. He was number 10 from the texters to Roger Mitchell. And I do think linebacker is almost so wide open. It's just like, whatever, I don't know. But, but also, I think, but Mitchell is different because as much as it's wide open, if like Taraja Mitchell, it's, uh, and this is not, I I go back and read my story about Taraja Mitchell, I, like literally maybe from three springs ago when I, how jacked up I was about Taraja Mitchell, might've been two springs. I don't think it was two springs though. I think it was three springs ago. Is that possible? He's been here a long time. This anyway, is like like the, the potential of this guy. But as, as wide open as it is, like I just like if he say he wins a starting job and like he misses four tackles against Oregon and gets burned in coverage and looks like, hey, like that's not it. Like I don't know what they would do. Like Nathan, I think that would be like a moderately gigantic problem for for them. As much as yes, there are a bunch of options. I don't know who the next. Because okay, so it's like Teraja Mitchell, Dallas Gant, Kayvon Pope, that top group. Court Williams is everybody's great wild card thing. But the guys behind him, yeah, they're behind him. But are you all of a sudden now you're like, all right, Cody Simon, all right, Mitchell Melton, all right, like now it's on you, man. You would get there pretty quick if Taraja Mitchell is just like a miss, and I don't, I don't know what's next, Nathan. I feel like my God, I should have had this guy number one. Now, I mean, th- this really is a guy that, because you can't assume it, but they do need it.
1: I think the reason he's number ten is because of kind of what you're saying. That I think people have always thought of him as like almost, almost inevitably what. Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togi, I brought to the defensive line last year like this guy who's just been waiting in the wings but once he gets there he'll turn out to be a better than solid player like he can be an impact player it's not his fault that he hasn't beaten out pretty good linebackers in front of him these past three years I think that's why he's number 10 on this list but you're right in that, if he doesn't hit it, it's we don't know anything about any of these linebackers, really. Like we think they're pretty good. We've seen them flash these guys, Mitchell, Gant, some of these other guys when they've played. We've seen good things from them in limited time, but it's limited and it's it's a usually very specific points of a game. We have not seen what these guys do when they go out and have to play every single snap against a first string Big Ten offense and then do that again for twelve weeks in a row or whatever. So it, there's a lot of unknowns. I think you're right. If if one of those spots waivers, the number two option is is very. What do you want to say? Like it's very tenuous.
0: Linebacker is in a situation where, at best case scenario, we are all going. How was this guy not already playing? Look at what he's doing versus us finding out exactly why they weren't playing in the first place. And those are are very wide scale of how this can go. And that's, I
2: don't know if that's a good thing.
1: The linebackers need to be last year's defensive tackles, not last year's secondary. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, but I think we all, we all see it. I should have had him in my top five because my, my guy who I have fifth and my other four, I feel pretty good about. I should have had Taraja Mitchell number five. My number five is a guy. He's the Taraja Mitchell of his position group, but there are experienced guys there. So if he doesn't hit, it's okay. It's not as desperate as if Taraji Mitchell doesn't hit, and it's Teron Vincent, who we've talked about all the time. But it's like, well, Haskell Garrett's going to be Haskell Garrett. Antoine Jackson is a veteran guy who's pretty good. Jaron Cage is around a little bit. Mike Hall's coming along. Like, I would love it, right? I mean, we spent a lot of time off season talking about Teron Vincent. But if for some reason he never pops, I don't think it's going to be devastating to the defensive line. Now, if he hits and plays like a five-star... Yeah, but I think Terrence Mitchell is actually a better case, Nathan. But I also think Teron Vincent in the top five is defensible. I just should have had him behind Terrence Mitchell. Nathan, do you have Teron Vincent there?
1: I have a number three, and it's for the thing that you just said, whatever that was, like because of what it could be if he just arrives and, and hits in a big way. We, we do think that there is that that talent, that potential still lurking there, that the injuries have held him back so much. I know what you're saying. You know, he's a three tech Haskell Garrett coming back as a three tech. We think that those guys stack and that the bigger question is who plays at nose, not just who starts, but who really like plays at nose and what impact they can get out of that spot, especially relative to what they're losing with Tommy Togiai, but if you extend it beyond that, you start thinking about the Rushman package. You start thinking about those situations, and if if you even if Teron Vincent is not your starter, but you're putting that on the field for a lot of reps per game, like him at a higher level, I think it it really juices what this defense could be.
0: He did not make my list, but he's number six. He's yeah. at the top of the guy who did, because yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's because Haskell Garrett's back. He's no longer a need, but he is a. To some extent, sort of similar to how we were talking about on the Saturday po- pod with Jackson Smith and Jigma. It's not an ultimate need, but if it happens, I mean, that's a really good bonus to have.
2: Yeah, we're we're tricking you guys, by the way. We were going to slam all this together and, like, we're recording this Friday afternoon yeah, and it's the Tuesday pod. I know. Steven's, I, man, I what it was. Play. Cool. I know. <laughs> hey, crazy. That basketball sure game survived that weekend. Woo. Whoa. That basketball game. Yeah. That meteor strike on Sunday and, uh, in uh yeah Kazakhstan that exploded half the world that was crazy huh anyway so yeah we're just it's we were are gonna do one big pod and then we talk we too long and so we <laughs> cut it in half and it's like well might as well keep going we don't have to stop so we're like four days in the past as we record this but it's good I mean steven has got to get ready for basketball and there's a lot going on and so you know we'll be back in the current day uh more so when we do the big Wednesday pod which we have great ideas for great ideas for um but yeah so we're a we'll half trick you. Steven's being a professional podcaster. I just couldn't do it to you. All right. You know what? Let's take a break and then we'll do more. We'll do more trickery in the break and then come back and see what happens after this on Buckeye talk. All right. Back on Buckeye talk. So the five spot Taraja Mitchell, number five for both Nathan and Steven Teron Vincent, number five for me, Nathan, who's your number four.
1: My number four is Josh Proctor. And it's, I, I I was torn. I almost didn't include him, but I honestly just has to have a real solution at safety this year. I don't know if he is a free safety. I don't know if he is a single high safety that you leave back there and is the eraser that, that Jordan Fuller was or something approximating that. I don't know that. I think he either needs to prove that or in whatever Josh Proctor role they give him, he needs to be something closer to elite and a real presence that you feel on the field. I don't think that either of those things really happened in 2020. He was one of the more underwhelming players in 2020 relative to the expectations that we placed on him going into the season.
2: Can I make a suggestion here, by the way? Sure. So my daughter is in the process of taking like the SATs and the ACTs and stuff for college. And like the person who oversees the testing room right at those things like this is a proctor. Mm-hmm. Right. So what if you had a position on the defense instead of bullet, stupid bullet proctor? You oversee the defense and guess what you do? You walk around the room. So sometimes you're back at deep, deep safety looking at everybody, making sure nobody's cheating. But every now and then, you walk up towards the line of scrimmage. Maybe you check on that slot receiver. Hey, 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 eyes down, slot receiver. Ten minutes left on this section of the test slot receiver, and you cover him. Then maybe you slide back a little bit. You go over here, you're a little more like a linebacker. Hey, this side of the room, I might blitz. I'm playing the proctor. Oh, man, we really need like a a Proctor. You know, we think Court Williams could play Proctor for us. You know, we think there's, you know, like Malik Hooker. If we'd had that role back then, Malik Hooker could be a really good Proctor. Much better than Bullet. It's the safety who is both the free safety but can slide down and cover a slot guy. So he can play deep or at the line of scrimmage, but you just roam. You know who's a great Proctor? Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew killed the the Browns in that playoff game because you never knew where he was going to be. He's going to jump some routes. He moves up. I nominate Proctor as a position name going forward for Ohio State football. Who's with me? I mean, I
0: don't – it's 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 fine. I like it. Sure. I, I, I don't understand why we can't just call strong safety, strong safety. This is more for college <laughs> football coaches. Why It's it's a strong safety. I don't understand why we have the star and the bullet. And what did Michigan call it? The, I don't even remember. The oh. point of the
2: bat- – what did they call it?
0: They called know. it the Wolverine or
2: something. No, no what did they the call Wolverine. it? It was whatever Khalid um, Hudson played. The point of the matter is, it, you're you're the a strong. stinger. TV. Was it the stinger? No, it was a uh, word that they could not bring here because it was like Greg Madison's position, and when he it was brought like it, marked. No, it was but like it, was, when, uh, it was like when
1: Letterman couldn't take his bits to CBS.
2: Yeah. The right. point of the matter it, is, it's it, you're a strong. No, no, safety. no, no, no! I don't want to talk about football. I want to talk about what that freaking name was. <laughs> well, hold on. I, like I asked Renegade Kaleek or to, something? I it asked leak about it at Big, Big Ten Media Day. Because so me just... Jabril Peppers played it. It was a little yeah. too Michigany. I thought that there was it wasn't called the Wolverine, but it was a little too Michigan Michigany to just pull down here.
1: Was it was it the Viper? Viper. Yes, it
0: was the Viper. It's a Viper. But you're a strong safety. Let's just call it a freaking strong safety. That's exactly what Tyron Matthew is. He's a strong safety. That's what you are. But to the point of, of, yes, I had Josh Proctor at number four as well. I think before I get into that, though, how good does Josh Proctor have to be this year for them to just name it after him? All
2: American. Okay, cool.
1: That's Okay, cool. Um, but is that the f- role he'll play, or is he going to be the. And that's going to be to
0: my point. Josh Proctor's the name in that number four position, but I think for me, it's more about. Somebody needs to decide what Josh Proctor's best position is, whether it's Josh Proctor forcing them to making the decision by how well he plays, whether it's Lathan Ransom or Marcus or somebody, Marcus, somebody showing up and just saying, I'm really good at this other spot so we can put Mark, Josh Proctor here, or it's the coaching staff just deciding where to put Josh Proctor. And that's where he's going to put his focus at and not, Bring him in when spring practice starts to go, hey, we're going to play this position on third down. And then two games into the season, you realize, oh, wait, he probably should have just been a single high safety.
2: So this makes me miss because I'm picturing the conversation in my head like I had it after the spring game in uh, the spring of 2016. The conversation I have with players where I try to explain weird things to them, but like I'm writing this about you. I just want you to know it's this weird thing. And I'm picturing the, pic- the conversation I had with Dante Booker when I was explaining to him that I was going to do like a-, a book and hook kind of thing. And to me, they were like buddy cops and they're out fighting crime and it's Hooker and Booker. And he's like, yes, strange old man. I get it. When I was trying to tell Sam Hubbard that I was going to call him like old mother Hubbard because he was going to like steal stuff out of people's cupboards or something. And he was like, I don't like that. Please don't do that. Like, I just want to have this conversation with Josh Proctor where I'm trying to explain to him that he, by definition, is playing the Proctor position because he is Josh Proctor. But it is a nod to his versatility. I would like to see him roam around. He's not on my list because I think he's going to be pretty good. And I I didn't, again, as we said, we're going to have a bunch of different people. You guys are all right. I mean, everything you just said, you both had him fourth. The Texters had him third. I think by the end of the year, he showed that he was a pretty good football player. And I think he'll be a pretty good football player. And I don't know that it's life or death that he's an All-American. And I just think they'll be better there than they were. If you told me, like, Marcus Hooker is going to be playing that spot again, no matter what, I'd have Marcus Hooker on this list. I don't have Marcus Hooker on my list because I don't think he's going to be a starter. And I think Josh Proctor is going to be a starter, and he'll be fine. And maybe he'll be better than fine, but it wasn't quite as imperative to me. But again, probably should have been in the top five. And this is the whole debate. You guys are all right with everything you just said. Because we did see, here's the thing. We saw what not great free safety play did to this team, right? We've seen it over, t- over the last couple of years. My assumption is it will be better than that. Because our examples of it are, Josh Proctor against Clemson two years ago when he was doing something he'd never done before. And Marcus Hooker last year when I think just Marcus Hooker wasn't good enough. So I think Josh Proctor as a veteran will at least be good enough, which made me put him more like sixth or seventh than in the top five.
1: But Josh Proctor against Clemson two years ago wasn't really playing free safety. It was again, it was that two safety thing. That was what he hadn't really done. Before, So uh, the thing I would remind people of is we got into last season and all of a sudden we were like, oh man, what happened to Jordan Fuller? This team could really use a Jordan Fuller. Well, they weren't saying that in 2018 when Jordan Fuller really wasn't playing all that great, right? Like he was a guy who had to make that jump from junior year to senior year. And, and be something more than he had been before and be more special and be more of an answer. And he did that. So I think that same thing, I don't dismiss that that same thing could happen with Josh Parker. I think they're different athletes and Josh Parker just may turn out to not be the capital F, capital S free safety and they have to use him in some other capacity. And maybe that opens a door for Lathan Ransom or someone else. But I don't dismiss that he could make that similar kind of jump. I mean, does anybody really have
2: any doubt that he's going to be the starting free
1: safety though? Because like, who's the starting free safety if it's not him? Well, this time last year, we thought he was the starting free safety. No, also. no I know. But it's not I last have, year. Because no it's not going to be Marcus
2: Hooker, but who else would it be? But I mean, I, it
1: could be Lathan Ransom. It could be Ryan no Hill. I don't know. I mean, there's a, options. I have no doubt he'll be a starting safety. I will just say I
0: don't know about free or strong. I just know he'll be a starting safety next year.
1: Well, they're only starting one is what we're
2: saying. Well, we're talking about the thing if, if he would be down on. I don't think he's going to be the guy who's down over the slot on a regular basis. I think he can move to that. But I think when they go base defense, I think he's going to be back. Whether he's back by himself or whether he's back because they have two deep safeties, I think he will be deep.
1: I think the start on year, first starting free yeah. safety. I think Third he's out. the farthest guy lined up on the first defensive snap against Minnesota in 2021. Yeah.
2: All right. So my number four is a guy that I think is in everybody's top five but I only have him at number four. But I think it's again, where it depends how important you think his jump will be because he's definitely going to be on the field and it's seven banks. I add him fourth. And I think the idea of if seven banks plays like an all big 10 corner plays like the number one corner that Ohio State has almost all the time, that is a huge deal for them. But if he's, you know, if he's just pretty good, I think they still might be okay, but I, if he's awesome, I think that matters a lot, but I did have him in my top five. Steven is seven banks in your top five.
0: He is. And he's number one. I I just think he's got to be better than what he was last year. Um, The number one, just in general, Ohio state's number one corner has to be better than Ohio state's number one corner was last year. And Sean Wade was, he wasn't, he wasn't very good last year and it's not about what happens when you get through the Big Ten schedule. It's about what happens when you get to the playoff. And I mean, we'll throw Indiana in this as well. And in Michigan now, they've got a five star quarterback. But when you're playing these offenses that are going to throw the ball a lot and are very efficient at it, you can't be giving up 50 yard touchdown passes every three or four series. And so there is, especially with Cam Brown coming off an injury, and we don't, you know, and we're not really sure. We think Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos can continue the progression, but we're not 100% sure there. At least your number one corner spot has to be
2: solid. The texters had him second. So he's really up
1: there. Nathan, where's seven banks for you? I did not have him in my top five. And I think it's a combination of a couple things. It's feeling like he actually played pretty solidly last year. I understand what Steven is saying as far as someone needs to take that jump and be the shutdown corner, but I also think that the reason that that needs to happen this year and that you're looking at someone who is in the recruiting rankings as low as seven banks to be that guy was a deficiency in the recruiting. It's not necessarily a deficiency of seven banks. So I understand the the pressure, that's the responsibility that might be on him. But I also think that I think of him as a reliable defensive back. And I see if you're talking about the four starting spots, I have much bigger questions about those other four spots than I do about seven banks being just above average in 2021.
2: So I guess the question is, and this is what Steven is saying is it's why I had him for, because I think he's going to be good. And I think he was pretty good last year. I think Steven makes a very good point about like, okay, I think seven banks was actually pretty okay as like a number two corner, whatever that means. Right. I mean, you know, it's not like they have a guy follow somebody around, but Nathan, if he plays the same, right. He has added responsibility. If he just plays the same, as he did last year, is that good enough if he's supposed to be, I mean, he's at very least the most experienced cornerback on the field because Cam Brown missed almost all of last year and everybody else is young. Is that good enough if he's the same as he was last year?
1: I see what you're saying there. But again, if if it gets to that and we look back and say, boy, they just did not have a number one cornerback like that. I I think that is a looked at as a failure of, of recruiting and, and, and then being at the tail end of that window that they couldn't develop themselves out of. I don't really put that on seven banks, not stepping up and no. being greater than right. what he was supposed right. to be.
0: But, but, right. And but, it could be a failure of recruiting, but still he's in the position now. He, we're here now. So, it, and but I mean, we're having he's kind some, of like,
1: but he's kind of like a master Teague in some ways, but. Except without a Travion Henderson behind him. Yeah. Well, but that's not his fault. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here, Nathan. We're not only talking about
2: whether it's your fault or not. We're talking about what you're being put in position to do and how much they need you to do it. So Rucker, to me, that discussion on Saturday was like, okay, he's been doing it. He just needs more opportunity. Teague is sort of like, well, he had a devastating injury. And if he wasn't as good last year as we thought, maybe some of that was to injury. And how much is that on him to get better? Seven banks is to guarantee the opportunity, he's going to be on the field every snap. He was on the field every snap last year, and he's never been hurt. So regardless what the circumstances are, the expectation going into this year is that he will be their best corner. So if Brian Day is calling seven banks in, the conversation is we need you to play like a number one corner. So the idea of like, well, it's not his fault that they don't have another five-star recruit at his position I don't know that that changes the reality for Seven Banks right now. It's got to be him. I like. I don't know who else is a.
1: Is, what, what, grade gonna, you, it, what grade would you? What grade would you give Seven Banks for his twenty twenty performance? Probably like a B
0: or a B plus. Yeah, B, 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 my, yeah, B my, plus. B B.
2: I don't know. But the point. What would you uh, is give it, him, Nathan? What would you give him?
1: Maybe in that range, but I also think that just might be his ceiling. I don't. I, I don't know if it's fair to ask him to go out and be like an AA plus guy. But don't you I think, think they
2: are going to ask him? It's
1: not I, like I think you're a little off on the conversation here of like
2: I think injury and opportunity are things you take into account here. That's on the team. Right. But like in the moment, this player. Right. He has to do it. He's so
0: only on it, the spectrum of that, of having it. There's some guys where you have to do it because it's just time for you to step up. And there are some guys where you have to step up because we don't have another option behind you. And to your, And that's because of the recruiting failures. Yes. But now we're here. We don't have another option. We have to play you. So we need you to step your game up because it basically make up for our recruiting failures. That's the position seven banks is in. But
2: he's I guess he's healthy. Point- he's healthy. He has opportunity and he doesn't have an obvious five-star guy behind him that they would put in on the field this year instead of him in his place. There is not really another candidate to be the best cornerback on the field for Ohio state this year. So that's what they, they, ha- They have if they want to have a number one, all big 10, all American like cornerback in 2021, it almost has to be seven banks. And given their history, when they call him in the room, that's what they will ask him to do. Now, maybe that's unfair, but I don't know that we would debate that that's what he'll be
1: asked. I don't dispute what you guys are saying along those lines. But as far as the decision making process for my list, I look at those other spots. If you're going to grade banks a b or b minus for last year i would give a lower grade to slot corner i would give a lower grade to free safety and the other guy the other corner just left you have a, a vacated spot over there those are all three if they don't answer those three positions i don't think it matters whether seven banks is better in 2021 than he was in 2020
2: so so if seven banks okay i mean we're debating i mean so you don't have on if the seven list, banks
1: but- if seven banks is damon arnett next year in 2021, this coming fall, if he plays at a Damon Arnett level, but everybody else is still a C minus or a C and is is are, are arguably not among the top 10 defensive backs in the Big Ten at their position, th- this is still a big problem on defense. I don't think that that solves the problem on defense.
2: Uh, but I think it would make a difference if he plays like a first field, round field. pick and they play Penn State and like Seven Banks shuts down Jahan doxson wipes him out while the other guys are getting burned or if they play Clemson in the playoff and we're going in and we're analyzing the Ohio state Clemson game. And we're like, man, I don't know about this Ohio state secondary, but I think they could let seven banks take Justin Ross out of the game and then we'll deal with the rest. They might be in trouble, but we think that seven banks has played at a level that whenever he lines up against Justin Ross, Ohio state feels like they're going to win that matchup. I know what you're saying, Nathan, you can't have D's at the other spot, but I think that would be a big deal if seven banks got to that point where it's like, well, now, would you rather have the depth? Would you rather have four Bs in the secondary than one A and three Cs? Yes, I'd rather have four Bs, I think, than one A and three Cs. But that A, even if the other three spots are Cs, I do think the A still matters, Nathan. Not Nathan, Stephen. Stephen, you're about, I only have, I mean, I have seven banks fourth, Steven, this is your guy, right? That's what you're saying, Mm -hmm. that if he plays like a first-round pick, that's a huge deal for Ohio State, sort of regardless of what else happens.
0: If he plays like an A, yeah, they don't follow, but it shuts down a side of a field. And that's huge. That's a huge thing to be able to do is take away an entire side of the field. Even if okay, yeah. Even if they're seized on the other side, there's a whole side of the field that an offense can't use because Seven Banks is over there. That's the best compliment you can have as a cornerback, and that's valuable. And just for the sake of bringing it up, Justin Ross is moving into the slot now. So if oh, they play for real. Yes, yes. So yeah. So if if, if which is crazy because that's a bigger receiver. So if Ohio State and Clemson play each other again, that gets really interesting to see whether that we don't follow rule still sticks.
2: Did we uh, Are we writing a story about how Garrett Wilson's explosion in the slot last year has changed college football and they're going to start putting big athletic receivers in the slot? No, I but we probably should. I think it's did. funny because it's,
0: it's interesting because – I don't think Garrett, Garrett Wilson was the
2: first. No, he's not, but I think Justin who is is? This, who is? Yeah,
0: the move who's from the, outside the
2: slot. But who's, who's the big athletic slot receiver that moved from the outside to the That's slot true. and blew people up? I mean, uh, to your point, Nathan, oh, probably, but I don't know who it is. When Garrett Wilson did it, it's why my head exploded. Yeah, because it wasn't. It didn't feel common to me right. when it happened. So go into anyway. our system
0: real quick and put a headline in.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. So again, Nathan. I mean, we're Wilson's it's, not that big. No, nah, I know he's not gigantic. He's a his
0: he's, his catch range is big
2: more than he, he is big. He's, well, he's that's true. What, he's not Rondell Moore. Yeah. And he's not KJ Hill. Like he's not in a world where there had been a time right where it's like, well, who's a slot receiver? receiver? It's like, well. Julian Edelman's a slot receiver. It's like no, not anymore. Garrett Wilson's a slot receiver. So I, that that evolution, even that Rondale Moore, little fast guy or a little reliable guy, smaller. This is athletic, do it all, go deep, whatever. This is
0: a guy, a six foot, one hundred ninety five pound guy who's playing in the slot and yeah, adding. J- an Justin option. Ross
1: is like six four. I mean, right? It's, that's it's a like, that's not, not yeah. A
0: it's it's another evolution
2: of that. But the point is, we're getting up. We're talking about seven makes here. They're not comp- comparable. The point is seven I would bay- dispute that they're not they're not exactly the same. I, I think the idea of taking your your best receiver, your best athlete, regardless of size and putting him in a and putting him in the slot. I think that is a similar idea. Anyway, this is a headline. This is a headline. Yeah, we're having we, a not, whole, a, we, not we, a podcast we, to bury in a podcast that was a podcast that went too long. Yeah. Nathan shaking his head. That's good. We can save this for later in the week. Moving, moving receivers to the slot, did Garrett Wilson start a revolution? Why other, why other moves are like it or not like it? I like it. We'll, we'll get to that later. It. We'll get to that later.
0: The point, yeah, the point is if seven banks can get to a level where he's shutting down a side of the field, that's a good thing for this defense, and it's, it's a negative for whatever offense they're going against, even if it is a C
2: on the other side. So let's go to my number three then and continue this conversation because I had uh, seven banks, four, and I had Cam Brown, third. And the reason that I have Cam Brown ahead of seven banks is, well, I think I know what seven banks is. He's at least going to be pretty good, but it would make a difference if he's great. Cam Brown is going to be relied upon to be the second best cornerback on this team. And he's coming off an injury and he's never really played enough for us to be sure how good he is. But if he is like, not good, if he's like, Nope, we can't really play you. I, they are, that is we're off to the races, Nathan. Like, I don't know what that looks like, which is sort of the point you're making I'm imagining Cam Brown's in your top five.
1: He's number two on my list. And it was because I feel like they're just asking a lot of him. They're asking him not only to play at a higher level than he did or was going to be at last year. Because as you said, he was in, you know, he was like the nickel guy to start last year. So not even a a starter in that defense last year. So not only is he going to have to be something more substantial and reliable this coming season, but he's going to have to do it coming off of a significant injury. We don't know yet what his – participation is going to be for this spring i assume it's going to be somewhat limited i mean even though that injury happened on halloween you know it happened it happened in the second game of the year but that's so much later than if it had happened in the second game of a normal year so that's more recovering time he hasn't necessarily had so we don't know exactly what his participation is going to be this spring we don't know when he'll be back to full strength and ready to get out there we've seen other guys come back from injuries too quickly uh, the same injury too quickly, and how it hampered in that first year. And Ohio State doesn't have that kind of time with him. Or, I mean, the, the the other reason why I guess you could argue that he could be lower on this list is that unlike a year ago, maybe they have more young options who, after their own first full year in the program, are ready to step up and surpass him. But if, for Cam Brown's sake, he still need that pushes him even higher because he wants to keep that job. So again, our texters
2: really thinking about the secondary. Seven banks was number two for the Texans at 19%. Josh Proctor was number three at 10%. Cam Brown is number four at 6%. Steven, did you have cam Brown in your top five?
0: I did. He's number two for me as well. And it's that's, Nathan just pointed out this guy's coming back from an Achilles injury and they're going to be asking him to play a totally different position than what he was playing before.
2: So I think we all, we, we see it. I mean, it's, it's right there. And, and, um, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so Steven, you have, you have corner one, two, yes. you have seven banks, one and, and Cam Brown, number two, yeah. how you important, how important you see those. Um, who's your number three, Steven? My number
0: three is Tyreek Smith. And just for the sake of saying it, Zach Harrison is number seven. I did a top 10 because this was hard. Um, I just think there needs to be a defensive end who gets home and creates some havoc because that will take some pressure off of who are my number one and number two guys to just be awesome every single snap? If one of those two guys is getting home, like they got pressure, but their next step and we need it's it's we don't need you to get pressure. We need you to get sacks. We need the production to follow along with you guys beating your man off of the line of scrimmage, and that didn't happen enough last season. It, ha- it started happening late in the in the Clemson game where Tyreek Smith was getting home, and in the Michigan State game, but those guys from. Tyree Smith, especially because he's in year four. Those guys need to, at this point, from the from Minnesota game on, get home and get sacked. Somebody needs to have at least eight sacks
2: next year. Tyreek Smith, number seven for our texters.
1: Nathan, do you have your top five? Both Smith and Zach Harrison were the um, Paris Johnson of my defensive list, where I kept putting them on and crossing them off. And neither one of them ended up making my top five. But I, I agree with the sentiment that one of those two guys, if not both of them, if they take a step, it means something for this defense, a big things potentially for this defense.
2: I did not have Tyreek Smith in my top five because I thought by the end of the year, he was playing at a level that I kind of assume it. That I, I, like I thought. And there's a little bit of recruiting stuff in here still that he is. He's a re- he was a really, really, really high recruit maybe not quite at like the Chase Young, Zach Harrison He was a top level. 10
0: player in the country now. He, so,
2: I mean, like right? he was
0: 34 overall and four among weak side defensive ends. I mean, so. Like really,
2: really high. Yeah. But I just kind of think it's going to happen. So compared to other guys that I don't have as, that I have more questions about maybe, I didn't put him in. I didn't really think about putting him in because I kind of believe in him. So, but I understand, I understand the idea, Stephen, of you, having him there and the reason that you have him there, that like they need guys to get home. I completely buy, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, So Steven, you're in the house. Seven banks, one cam Brown, two Tyreek Smith, three, Josh Proctor, four, uh, Taraja Mitchell, five. I'll give my number two now who I don't think you guys had, maybe I'm too high here. My number two is Lathan ransom because I feel like, this might be sliding Marcus Williamson too much. And we just had our conversation in a recent podcast about like, hey, they might might wind up with like the four guys who play the most in the secondary as the guys they expect, you know, it's Cam Brown wasn't there because he was hurt. But if it's Cam Brown, seven banks, Marcus Williamson and Josh Proctor, it's going to look a lot the same. I'm anticipating maybe like more from Lathan ransom. Like he's a, he was like kind of a guy who flashed a little bit. And I think they need more from slot corner and maybe I'm shortchanging Marcus Williamson, but I feel like if Lathan Ransom would like come in and like they put him on the field a little bit against Alabama out of necessity, not much, but like if he come in, comes in and is a dude, I think he's got some upside. And if he shows it, if he shows it and they can play him, I think he starts answering. He answers the Josh Proctor. He's the most definitive answer to the Josh Proctor question, right? That if If Lathan Ransom is like, oh, well, what are you going to do in the slot? Who's going to come down? It's Latham Ransom. He's like, all right, the Josh Proctor's deep. We're good. And maybe I'm underestimating Marcus Williamson. Maybe Marcus Williamson will get out of here with me underestimating him the whole time. They played him a lot. A lot. And, but I just think he has a ceiling, right? And I just think, I don't know that he's going to make a leap. So, I think Lathan Ransom has more room to jump. Marcus Williamson played 414 snaps last year. Lathan Ransom played 61. So maybe I'm nuts and maybe I'm too high, but I just think, man, if that guy would come in and take it and be like, I got it. Let Cam and Seven be on the outside. Let Josh be deep. I got slot. That to me would be a big deal. But maybe Marcus Williamson will do it and I'm underestimating it. Did you guys I- have Lathan Ransom anywhere?
0: I didn't, but I kept flipping him and Josh Proctor on my list for that um, for that fourth spot because of some of those. Re- yeah, he played 61 snaps and 28 of them came in the Big Ten Championship game. I do think because the, the reason why Josh Proctor ended up making is, but I should have probably put Lathan. Is they need to pick a spot for Josh Proctor in whatever role that is, and if to the point if Lathan Ransom is the person who allows you to pick what spot you want Josh Proctor in. And it helps his defense, especially with some of the stuff he was able to show towards the end of the season. But also, yeah, he's a, a guy who flashed last year. And I think his ceiling just might be higher than Marcus Williamson.
2: So when you say pick a spot for Josh Proctor, do you think it's possible that Proctor's going to wind up in the slot and Lathan Ransom's going to be the deep safety? I'm not going to rule that out either. Because you keep saying, like, pick a spot for Josh Proctor. We just said, if Josh Proctor's not the free safety, who's the free safety? So it's like, I just don't know that they have an option. Right. I think, it's not Marcus Hooker. It's not. I
0: think just based on how obviously we're going to assume coming in the spring practice that that Josh Proctor will be the starting safety. If we were to go in there at spring practice right now, I'm not going to rule out that they just feel like Josh Proctor's best position on this team is playing strong safety. If Lathan Ransom shows enough that he can play the single high safety spot.
2: Okay. All right. Nathan, did you consider Lathan Ransom at all?
1: Not really. And I think it was because late in the season, the way he was playing and the way they were using him, the way they were trusting him led me to believe that kind of, as you've talked about with some other guys on this list, that, that ascension, that, that next step is, I just assume it's going to happen. And then it just becomes a matter of, of how they decide to use him. I think it's possible that, that as far as that slot corner spot for instance, like maybe just what he showed at the end of last year plus another year of development, he may catch and surpass Marcus Williamson just naturally at this point. I he's just one of the many guys that I feel like has to just continue their normal like freshman to sophomore development. You could throw in Ryan Watts, um Legend Cavazos, Cam Martinez. There's a there's a handful of guys that I think just need to have that almost normal freshman to sophomore year, and especially considering what their freshman year was, it, I guess normal is not the right word to use because it's been unconventional. But if they just make that, that kind of natural transition from freshman to sophomore year, that depth helps make this defense better. It just gives more options. I really do feel like they were pretty far into last year still, as we talked about many times. It wasn't that they were going to have to make an evaluation of guys and make a change. It was that they were going to have to make a leap of faith in, in a way that they don't always have to do because I knew so little about those guys.
2: I do think Lathan Ransom's ahead of those other guys you mentioned. Correct. Because he correct. did get on the field. So yes. he's first on that list, and I think he has the clearest path to the field because yes. I think what you're saying about Martinez and Watson Cavazos, we still think they're behind Seven Banks and Cam Brown, probably. It just feels like, I mean, like, if you're saying you think it's possible that Lathan Ransom could be the starting slot corner, I think I'm not assuming that. Right. Because there is a veteran. There's the guy who did it last year is here still. But I think it might be a big deal if he is. So like I like if that's your thinking, like I think maybe that's he would maybe deserve to be in your top five. Because like I I can't assume really anything with Lays and Ransom, although I see the path and I
1: think the path, if he gets to the end of the path, I think it's a big I think it's a big deal. What I really think is more intriguing and might be more realistic is let's say Cam Brown arrives and, and takes that. He comes back healthy, takes that other corner spot opposite Seven Banks, and maybe Marcus Williamson ends up at this. Even if all length and Ransom does is play nickel all year, as he was doing at the end of last year, but still takes a step and becomes like a really good nickel corner, that's an important thing for this defense. That, that can't be dismissed, how important that could be. I, I think there was just so many you could go down the list. Like really every spot in that secondary last year, there were questions and there were questions still at the end of the year. And they need to just answer those more consistently in
2: 2021. Which if, so again, the thing we talked about before, there's four obvious guys who are all veterans to varying degrees. Cam Brown had the injury, but other guy, otherwise it's very similar. The guy most likely to break through that is Lathan ransom. Mm -hmm. Right. To me at the moment. Yes. And the degree to which he breaks through I think could be very important or in the end, not that important. Maybe he just plays on third down, but I'm curious about that to see how that works out. Cause he has more of a safety than a corner. He could play deep. I also think there's a world where like, yeah, on, on, on third down, maybe Proctor and Williamson are deep and ransom's ransom's in the slot, sort of, as you said, Nathan, but I think there's a chance for ransom to be deep at times. I just think he's the most obvious young candidate in a secondary where we just think the secondary hasn't been good enough. So um, all right, we'll come back. We know Stevens' number one is seven banks. We have not revealed the Texers number one. We have not revealed my number one, and we have not revealed Nathan's number one, and we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Nathan Baird, who is your number one defensive player that the Buckeyes need to step up in 2021?
1: So I'm curious where the Texers will have put this guy because it's, it's kind of a boring pick probably, but I, I do still think it's potentially a crucial one. I put Antoine Jackson number one. I think oh, that is uh, really
2: boring. That's really boring.
1: <laughs> I think Ohio State, uh, what Tommy Toggei did for this defense last year kind of can't be overstated. Now he's gone. I don't think they have a natural, even going into last year, we knew he was going to be the nose tackle. This year, I think there's a much bigger question mark at that spot. And as good as Haskell Garrett is, as good as we think Tommy T- or uh, Teron Vincent could be behind him, I, I think Nose is being such an important part of this defense, of any defense, that they have to find someone who could consistently do that well. And on top of all that, I do still wonder if there's something untapped in Antoine Jackson that would let him make the kind of jump that we saw from people like Davon Hamilton in the past. Um, or even something—I don't know if he could do it to the extent of what Togi I did last year, but but take some kind of a jump where now you're talking about him as one of the better defensive linemen in the Big Ten, whereas previously he had been just kind of a guy. One vote. <laughs> one it was Texter.
2: You know, it
0: was probably Nathan. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, didn't Nathan a, vote. <laughs> I didn't vote. I didn't vote. Nathan is a tech subscriber. That put him 18th. I gave 20. I mean, there's like three guys. a couple guys got zero, he got one. Um, but it's not wrong. It's just not where a lot of people's heads would go because like, if not him, then who, right? Like if, but, but it is going to be him. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's not, he's going to be the starting nose and then it's just a matter of how good he is. How, how much can he approximate what Tommy Togiai gave to this team last year because Togiai and Garrett as a tandem were awesome last year. So Garrett's back and can they be, Close to as good as that tandem. I think Nathan makes a lot of good points, Stephen. But I also get why Texters didn't go there. Um, and and neither you nor I have Antoine Jackson in our top five. Was he in your top ten, Stephen?
0: He was in my top ten because you're replacing a guy who's going to be a top 100 NFL draft pick. I just think in this year, especially when there's some positions where you're just worried about what is going to happen you're less worried in the interior just because it's at least guys with some level of experience, even if it's not elite level play last year, it was enough to make you feel a little confident that they're going to be okay.
1: But it was also the tandem of Garrett and Togiai that did that last year. I don't think that can be dismissed here. No, no, basketball. no. Yeah. Garrett, what he did last year, he benefited from Togiai and vice versa. So it is uh, to get to Doug's point, like who is the other, I mean, I guess it's drawn cage or somebody from that freshman group that uh, they Hamilton. turn into a those i guess but like man like I, it's just what i think the impact could be there too i think there might be something untapped in antoine jackson that now that he gets a full opportunity to to start or a full opportunity to go out there and play starters reps that he shows something i think people need to i know that why we yeah, yeah he's assumed to be the guy there And maybe that's because that sort of answers the starting question. People aren't that concerned. But now just ask yourself, Okay, he's the guy there. But if he does a defensive tackle, what Marcus Williamson or or Hooker or Harry Miller did at their positions last year, are we talking about that as being a problem as we get farther into this season?
2: All right. So the texters and I have the same number one and he did not make your top fives. Who is it? Zach, you guys. Zach, why is he not in your top five, Steven?
0: Because I chose Tyreek Smith over Zach
2: Harrison. Why?
0: I I think a fourth year guy who I think it's just he uh, he showed some things that I think he needs to be able to build on for next year. While with Zach, I, I am not confident he's on that same five star path anymore. Yeah, just that's why he should be protection. higher on your list.
2: The difference, I think, the difference of what Zach Harrison has been and what Zarek Harrison was expected to be and could be is, is huge. Right. And I think if you thought, and it's not fair, but we'll just use it as a shorthand. If you thought Zach Harrison was the next chase young, if Zach Harrison is the next chase young and he shows that this year, holy moly, that is, uh, that is an, absolute game changer to me because Steven, you made a lot of good points about Tyreek about you. Someone's got to get home, right? Someone's got to get home. I think Zach, we spent a lot of time talking about Zach last year that he ended up playing. I think we got caught a little bit in sort of a snap count discussion that might've been, we might've been a little off on that. He did play a lot. He played 213 snaps. He did not play against Clemson. He was out for that game because of COVID stuff. Um, Tyreek was out for the Alabama game. But, you know, he was playing a lot at the end, but against like Northwestern, when everybody was healthy, the last time they had their three best defensive ends, Jonathan Cooper played 57 snaps, Tyreek Smith 50, Zach Harrison 36 in the Northwestern game. Before that, it was Smith and, and, uh, and Harrison were a little more equal, although like the Penn State game, Cooper played 35. Smith and Harrison each played 28, like exactly equal. Like Tyreek Smith was like really good in the Clemson game, right? Like he was like really good, I thought, when Zach was out. I just – and maybe it's a five-star thing. Maybe it's still too tied to recruiting ratings. I don't think Zach Harrison quite yet – I mean, there's no debate. He's only been here two years, right? Now, that's a short amount of time. Chase made his leap from year two to year three. Chase was good in year two in 2018, but was held back by some of the high ankle sprains, but he went nuts. He was a Heisman finalist Yeah, as a junior. Just, I'm, not asking, just... I'm not asking Zach to be a Heisman finalist. No. I think it's not unreasonable to ask Zach Harrison to be first team all Big Ten. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask him to have like 12 and a half sacks. And at the moment, I think I believe in Tyreek a little more to get there maybe based than Zach. And so that's why I have Zach one. So Steven, you sort of had this same discussion with yourself and you just wound up picking Tyreek and you put him third. So I get where you're coming from. And I agree with you. It's really important. They have a bunch of defensive ends. Someone's got to be a star, man. They got it. Someone's got to be a game wrecker, but I you just, might be right though. I just I think... think Zach, there's a more of a gap between expectation and potential, and what he's been so far. I think the gap is bigger for Zach. Not that he hasn't been good, but man, I'm waiting for him to explode. So that's I think why he's might, my number one.
0: Yeah, I think you might be right. I might... I think you might have just talked me into flipping Tyreek and Zach on my list. Just because... And I know you brought Chase. He took a leap from year two to year three, but... And the high ankle sprains were a problem, but on high ankle sprains, he had 10.5 sacks and 14.5 yeah. tackles. So, I mean, the leap was... I got healthy. So I had six more sacks. Right. That's the, I think sophomore year chase is sacks potential. And that's a good, it's probably Jack Sawyer's potential. It's probably, you know, if they get JT Tumalau, that's it. That's a good expectation to have for top 10 player in the country is what Chase did as a sophomore has what he did as a junior. Year, I'm throwing that out the window. And no, I, I disagree you, with
2: that, but I disagree with that. I mean, I, I'm not asking Zach Harrison to be a Heisman finalist. Why can't Zach Harrison be an all American though? Right.
0: I mean, Chase wasn't ass, all,
2: he wasn't all American as a sophomore. No, he
0: wasn't, but I'm saying double digit sacks. Uh, the idea of the double digit stats around 15 TFLs, about 35 tackles, That that, that, that type of production is the, the potential you expect from a top 10 player in the country coming into Ohio state. So I think you're right. I probably need to flip those two just based
2: off expectation. All right, so, so Stephen and I are having a debate about, like, which defensive end. Nathan, your top five, Antoine Jackson one, Cam Brown two, Teron Vincent three, Josh Proctor four, Taraji Mitchell five. You didn't have either defensive end in there. Why?
1: So I'm listening to you guys kind of rattle off those stats that Zach Harrison or that Chase Young put up as a sophomore. He did that injured as well, right? Yeah. Zach Harrison's not Chase Young's level. I think it's time to stop thinking of him that way. Um, I think he's a very good football player. Uh, he was a third-team All-Big Ten pick by the coaches this past year. So coaches more so than the media who just go on stats saw something that they wanted to recognize in Zach Harrison's impact this past year. I think he's a pretty solid football player, and I understand what you're saying, Doug, as far as like whether he gets to that next level. I think it's just time to, to – to, it's not fair to him, and it's, it's almost not fair to Chase Young to keep asking – the next guy to step up and be chase young. I think chase young needs to be set aside on his own level. Okay. Okay. Let's take it out.
2: Let's take it out. Let's take it out. Though. Let's take out chase young. I want, I want Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Taekwon Lewis, Sam Hubbard. Like it's what they've been. I want that. Yeah. I want that. Okay. If, I, I get it. I'll even the Bosa the, level.
1: I just don't know. There's that care since that. Why? Why?
2: why can't he? He hasn't, shown why? It.
1: he hasn't shown it. But, but you, have you given up on it? No, I think he, again, I think he's going to be a very good football player. But I, as far as like being that, like elite what? of elite kind of defense, round, he hasn't defensive shown
2: end, it, but he hasn't shown it as a true freshman in a screwed up pandemic year. So like you're, the reason you don't have Zach Harrison on your list is because you're just out on him being a, an All-American at a place he, where Larry Johnson produces All-Americans all the time. Taquan Lewis was the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year
0: with seven sacks. That you don't think that world is out. I mean, seven, well, eight. But, nine,
1: okay, but seven is very different than the 12 and a half that he was just talking about. I think seven is definitely in I know. Who said 12 beach. and a half? He I, did. Doug did 90 uh, seconds ago.
2: He's, no, po- wait, wait, wait. All right. Stop, 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 stop. What are we talking about? Who's seven sacks? Taekwon Lewis did not have seven sacks when he was the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year.
0: No, I'm talking. I'm I'm, the, uh, I'm talking 2017 right now. What, what Tyquan are you, what are you Lewis, talking? Taekwon Lewis didn't have seven. He had. Nine and a half tackles for loss. He had seven sacks that year. In that same t- 2017 year, Sam Hubbard had seven sacks. Nick Bose had eight and a half sacks.
2: Okay.
1: If we're talking about like Zach Harrison having like seven, eight sacks and being a first team All Big Ten, like what you are saying, Doug, I think but that's he very hasn't much been in so reach. far. Yeah, but, and that's but, but isn't that, that a big like deal? The, but that's like the natural trajectory. I still see him on what you what you guys are talking about as far as like Bosa level, Chase Young level. I don't know that I really see that for Zach Harrison anymore. The, Why? I don't know, just from my observation of watching him play football, I, I, I just I don't know that I see him. I think we saw by sophomore year those other players were all making that kind of special move. But again, I think it's, it's reflected in those numbers that you're talking about with Chase Young as a sophomore and how huge of an impact he had, even when playing hurt. Now go back and look at Zach Harrison's impact as being good, but not Chase Young like. I just don't think of him on that same trajectory, I think, is what it comes down to.
2: I think that's wrong. I mean, I think, I, I think to give up on that trajectory is wrong. So as a true freshman, he actually played a decent amount, and he was coming from like, like Chase and the Bosa's and a lot of these guys came from much better high school programs. So Zach mm-hmm. was a little bit behind of that. As a freshman, I wouldn't have expected him to be Joey Bosa when Joey Bose is someone from coming from St. Thomas Aquinas and Zach Harrison's coming from all in Right. Yeah. So I get that. Then his sophomore year is just a jacked up year. Right. And there's also this thing in there where early on, it was like, we thought he was going to be something. What Jonathan Cooper was is what kind of what we thought Zach Harrison would be, which is like the dominant defensive end who plays all the time. And is like, it's the best defensive end. And he wasn't that. And I'm not sure we have an answer right now, of like why that didn't happen, right? We don't have an exact answer of why he wasn't a little better last year in a screwed up pandemic year. But I'm not giving up on that level of expectation yet. So I don't know what you would have seen to be like, well, you know, maybe he can be all Big Ten, but that's it. I don't think that I have that ceiling on him yet. And to me, if he gets back to what you maybe thought he could be when he was recruited to be the next in that line, and I get it, but that's what they do here. That's what they do here. And he was a five-star at a position where that's what they do here. I'm not giving up on him being the next in that lineage. But my whole point is he's not that Nathan on that. You're right. But the idea that you're dismissing the, the expectation or the idea that he could be that I'm not dismissing that at all, which is why there is, there's a gap there. There's a wider gap and there's a wide impact. Because last year, they didn't get home enough. And before last year, their defensive ends terrorized everybody they played. Mm-hmm. So if they could go back to terrorizing, it changes this defense. And if Zach Harrison can instead be go from pretty good to a terrorizer, Zach Harrison is the most likely candidate to do that. If he does it, it changes this entire defense. That, to me, is why he's won. Because the gap to your point, Nathan, the gap is there. We're differing on whether we still think the ceiling is there or not. And I'm going to bet that there's still a chance that it is. And if it hits, look out.
0: To the point yeah, of yeah. trajectory, I mean, he was on it his freshman year. They, their stats are all very comparable. What Zach did and what Nick did and what Chase did, what all the, the, these guys did as two freshmen. So it might he might be the one person that you can just chalk up to. It's a weird year We're also Ohio State had a secondary that you could throw all over.
1: Yeah, but I also don't know why we're like saying, well, he had a really the pandemic year. So we dismiss what happened for him. But like Garrett Wilson showed something as a sophomore during his pandemic year and we had other people showing things. We're not dismissing
2: it. I'm dismissing why you're dismissing the potential like that's, But you're out on.
1: And again, I think there's a difference between dismissing the potential and expecting that level of play. I'm still I'm still the one saying I think Zach Harrison can come in next year and be a first team all first team all Big 10 defensive end and that continues the progression he's been on. That's just kind of what I expect from him, really. But I just don't I don't know that I expect him to to break into that Bosa Young level.
0: If he's a first team all Big 10 type of guy, he's probably a terror, which is
2: the expectation. Like I mean, in even... every down terror. Yeah. No, the, the the thing that the thing I'm pushing back the hardest on Nathan is why why you're his ceiling, when he got recruited here, the ceiling was that lineage, right? So you've seen enough in two years to believe that that lineage is expecting too much of him,
1: yeah, and I, I, that's what I, I'm unsure about. I lean that way, yeah, that I don't really care what, he was, what his recruiting ranking was. After you've seen him play for two years, I think that should be more what you base your expectation on.
2: Two years where he was a true freshman coming from a not great football program in high school and a pandemic. Cause the other thing is like, well, why did Garrett Wilson go crazy as a sophomore? Well, Texas. Garrett Wilson was from Lake Travis, man. Yeah. He's from a football factory in Texas. We had the and same guy with Julian at-
0: Fleming and Jackson Smith and the Jigba about whether who's the, whose ceiling is higher versus who's more ready from the moment they get here. And, I mean, Jack Sawyer might go through the same thing because he's coming from Pickering to North. He didn't go to Central where they wouldn't state championships. So the idea that who's more ready versus who's the better, whose ceiling is higher is a different conversation.
2: Yeah, I actually think Julian Fleming and Zach Harrison are a pretty good comparison of like they were both like five star guys who didn't come, you know, from places where they were surrounded by great football players all the time in high school. And they came in with expectation. And then it would be like if this you know, like Julian Fleming, okay, we're going to see what Julian Fleming does. And then it's this jacked up year where he doesn't really even get to practice and do all this stuff. And like, you're kind of like, why didn't he play more? So that's why I think Zach Harrison, to your point, Nathan, well, everybody had to deal with that last year. I just think Zach Harrison, where he came from and where he was on his trajectory, I could see why he got maybe thrown off a little more by 2020 than some other guys would, right? Because they were either older you know, Pete Werner didn't get thrown off. Pete Werner is Pete Werner. You know, Jackson Smith, the Jigman, and Garrett Wilson didn't get as thrown off because they were practically playing college football when they were in high school. Zach Harrison was playing normal high school football. And right when he was like in his breakout year, it got off track for everybody. So that I think is why I maybe view him differently. And there aren't that many other guys that that would apply to because that 2019 class, as we said, there were four standout guys in that 2019 class. It's Garrett Wilson, who's fine, And then it's Jamison Williams, Harry Miller, and Zach Harrison, none of whom were as good in 2020 as we thought they were going to be. So I think Garrett Wilson is more the outlier there. That Garrett Mm -hmm. Wilson overcame, I would think maybe when's the worst time to have a screwed up football season if you're supposed to be a great player? Sophomore year. Because freshmen, you're head swimming no matter what. As they all say, junior year, that's on you. It's time to go. Your sophomore year is the transitional year. Where you go from figuring it out to doing something, and that's who got thrown off. But the only four guys we can really see that through are those four guys I guess mentioned. Garrett Wilson's the outlier, and I think the other three guys were affected by it.
1: Again, I, I, I'm not saying that that I'm, I'm not saying that that isn't attainable for him. That that kind of breakthrough isn't attainable. That maybe I, maybe those you know high school evaluations of him come to fruition. Maybe that happens. I'm just saying I'm not at a place where I'm expecting it for 2021, I see a more of that jump that we were talking about before, which I think would still be substantial, but which I'm not sure that he's that far off of as far as like jumping from up to that, like first team all big 10 level. So that's why he didn't make my top five.
2: So let me, let me ask this before we get out of here on this Ohio state has a recent history of defensive ends terrorizing the opposition. They did not terrorize the opposition in 2020 doesn't mean they were bad it doesn't it means they were not at that exceedingly high Ohio state level. How big a deal is that like if they don't terrorize again, how big a deal is that? Are they fine? I mean they made the national championship game without terrorizing right they
1: did right i I think again like that that level you guys are talking about of like being you know that seven eight nine sacks level probably doesn't get you all American but as long as you're just i think they just need to be productive at those positions I don't think they have to necessarily be. Obviously, it helps your team when you have a Chase Young. But the team that had Chase Young and two first-round corners didn't make the National Championship game. And the team that had, you know, no tear off the edge and bad corners made the National Championship game or adequate corners made the National Championship game. So it's – it's the the mix is greater than that. They need somebody to tear. this that's simple.
0: That's why they got to the National Championship game because all of a sudden, Jonathan Cooper and Tyreek Smith turned in, in. – and Tommy Togiai and to get turned into terrors in the, in the college football semifinal.
2: And I do think the tackle tandem helped make up it for did, maybe right? the defensive ends not terrorizing on the same basis. And so you need a push. You put Antoine Jackson number one because you're thinking, I think they need Antoine Jackson to replicate Tommy Togiai as much as possible. So he's number one on your list. I put Zach Harrison number one, because I think they need Zach Harrison to replicate chase young as much as possible, because we all agree. It, it is, it's hard, right? I mean, it's hard whenever we're into like, a, they need to do better. They need to do better version of like a team that was the second best team in the country, but they're also not going to have the quarterback they had last year. So the defense is going to have to be better. Right. I mean, I think like the defense, regardless of where the team went, the defense in this, in this season needs to raise its level as a whole. I mean, we'd all agree that if we said, what side of the ball needs to raise its game, textures, offense or defense, it'd be 100% defense, right, Nathan? Which is why this defensive conversation was more complicated. But it's all of us, it's your, what are you prioritizing where the game needs to be raised the most?
1: Yeah, again, it's and it's it's also just how you look at guys. Like, do you see what Zach Harrison did last year as like a big disappointment, and then from one standpoint, or, and then also what do you see is his his ceiling, which we obviously vary on too. So I I, I, I I agree that it's it's so much more d- difficult to do this on defense. I said on the on the Saturday pod, I thought we could have ranked, we could have gone eleven or twelve deep on on defensive guys, right? Like, it's just yeah. there's so many positions where we have big question marks. And I think there are bigger, much bigger question marks than defensive end right now.
2: So in the end, there were nine guys who were in the top five for one of the three of us or the texters. So that's how varied that was the texters. I'll just read all the texter votes. And again, it was a little harder for the texters because you only had to pick one person out of all this stuff. Zach Harrison, not quite as overwhelming as Harry Miller was on the offensive side of the ball, but still the obvious number one pick. Zach Harrison, 38 percent. Seven Banks, number two, 19 percent. Josh Proctor, three at 10 percent. Cam Brown, four, six percent. Teron Vincent, five at five percent. And then guys at four percent, three percent, two percent. I mean, just a a lot of variety down there. The highest ranked guy for the texters that did not make the list for any of us was number six at four percent. That was Marcus Hooker. Steven, is it just that we're out on Marcus Hooker and we don't think he's going to be a starter and we just don't think he's going to be an answer for them? Yeah,
0: that's exactly what it is. Not a, that's, that's not a situation where it's, they absolutely have to rely on him because they don't have the other options.
2: And that I'm, if it's not Josh Proctor, maybe we're on to
1: Ronnie Hickman and Lathan yeah. Ransom and some of these other guys. Nathan, go ahead. I'm just still really curious, though, what this defensive staff saw from Marcus Hooker last offseason and why they made that position why they made that decision and stuck with it as long as they did like where's what was the disconnect between what they were seeing six days a week and then what was happening on saturdays and can that be fixed and have him still be something for this defense i'm not predicting that i'm just curious about it it just I, it's one of those things that kind of fascinates me a little bit
0: i think i don't think josh proctor lost that job to marcus hooker i think they just wanted oh well, josh- i disagree with that okay and, and i and I understand why you were so quick to say that. I Because I, when we got Josh Proctor, I asked him about, about the position he was playing. And he said that they came to him on day before they even started spring practice with this new role that he was playing at the beginning of the season. And that's what they wanted from him. So I'm, I'm not saying that, OK, fine. Maybe some of it is the fact that Marcus Hooker brought him out for that job. But I think some of it was also they wanted to put Josh Proctor in a different role that they thought that they could utilize him in. And that's what he was preparing to play. That's why it's more, I, I get it, but, you know, I just think
2: some of it was they tried Josh Proctor somewhere else and they shouldn't have done that. So just a mistake by them of how to utilize Josh Proctor's yeah. skill the best. And they thought, well, we'll be oh, fine. We'll be fine with Hooker back here because a lot of the times that guy's not even involved in the play. And You're Hooker just showed deep enough. And, he showed we'll be,
0: enough in spring to make you go, okay, we can safely do this without, messing up our defense and they got shown within three games how wrong that was.
2: And that, that maybe we'll get more out of Josh Practor by having him more involved in the play and up at the line of scrimmage and doing stuff rather than kind of floating in the back. Yeah. And that that was, that was wrong and that they tried to get by with Marcus hooker. I still think that if you thought it's like, Hey, sort of the captain of the secondary, get everybody lined up, do your thing that maybe they thought, well, Josh is more of a guy. Let's let Josh worry about himself and do his thing. You know, Marcus hooker, you know, his brother's a great safety. He can be the captain of the defense back here. Mm-hmm. That kind of sort of like the tough Borland kind of thing, right? That maybe yeah. the skills aren't as there, but we trust you to do all the stuff that you've got to do. And that maybe Josh, Josh did, Maybe it's like a Josh Proctor, Josh Proctor, Marcus Hooker is to like Baron Browning, tough Borland yeah, kind of thing, right? That maybe there's something to that. And then, but then in the end, tough Borland like was reliable. Was he as talented or as skilled as Baron Browning? No, but he was reliable and then is Marcus Hooker as talented, as skilled as Josh Proctor? No, but then he also wasn't reliable. So then that was the problem. So maybe there's something to that, that, but also if they just miscalculated on how to use Josh, but so like, Steven, what you're saying then would be interesting. If that's what they thought, if that's what they thought then, like, or do they still think that, which would lead us to, that's why Josh Proctor's is not the deep safety has what they saw last season. Has that changed their mind? Or do they still believe that in their heart and they just need to find a different reliable guy to be the deep free safety? But like, I would think that would be crazy at this point. But if they think, nope, Lathan Ransom's that guy. He's reliable, he's smart, he's got it, he's young, but he's, he's ready for it. Let Proctor play Proctor and put Ransom deep. That would follow that line of thinking if that's still the core of what they believe, right? If that still exists within that staff
0: which is why it's so important to pick the position for Josh Proctor and not because you think you want to utilize him. No, pick whatever position Josh Proctor can help you in the most because then it opens up what Lathan Ransom or Court Williams or Ronnie Hickman or anybody else is going to be doing in that second safety role.
2: Which goes back to the discussion we had last year. What's more important Josh Proctor being in the position that he's best at or mm-hmm. Josh Proctor being in the position where the team needs him the most. And going back to a discussion from last year, that might be opposite things.
1: So what do you do? So Yeah, someone needs to answer the free safety decision if, or question. If it's him, great. If it's not him, whatever they do with him, someone still has to be the free safety. Yeah.
2: And, and it might be, I mean, is, is spring practice like Josh Proctor not playing free safety because they're playing three other guys there at free safety to see if there is an answer. So they can let Proctor be Proctor or do you just put Proctor back there? Because maybe, maybe you're right, Steven. Maybe I jumped into too quickly that it wasn't that Marcus Proctor beat Josh Proctor out. It's that when they wanted to let Proctor be Proctor, they put Hooker there and he looked good enough. And they're like, yep, he's good enough. We're good to go. And then it was, that wasn't true, but are they going to find, look for somebody else who's good enough to let Brock, Josh Proctor roam? Uh, okay. That is our uh, defensive step up pod. Uh, big one Wednesday. We have some good ideas for it. You'll have to come back and and try to find out what it is. Um, Steven will soon be flitting off to Indianapolis to start living there half the time. Uh, So, Stephen, I mean, we're going to have – I don't think we'll have any more – I I think I said – I started typing out an email to you guys, and I didn't send it, but we did the big basketball pod last week, and people should go listen to that. I don't think we'll do a full basketball pod again until they reach the Sweet 16. That's what they – thats tell Holtman that. That's a carrot for this. <laughs> That's <team>. his goal. <laughs> if if you, you want a pod, get to the sweet 16. Get to the sweet 16. But we'll drop in basketball stuff as need be in parts of these other pods because we'll keep doing football stuff. There's too much football stuff going on as spring football yeah. gets geared up. So um, we have some good ideas. We'll keep doing that. We appreciate you guys being part of it. 614-350-3315. If you want to be a tech subscriber, read Cleveland.com slash osu. Thanks for, to the four one nine for that great question that spurred not one podcast but two. So we appreciate the texters who helped drive this thing for Stephen and Nathan. I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk.